0: Welcome to the Freshman Foundation podcast. Helping you make the jump from high school athletics to the collegiate level and beyond. With your host, Michael Huber. How is performance coach Jenna Bradshaw walking the walk and training young athletes to be their best? For some athletes developing their health and fitness, It's a necessary evil that comes with the task of playing competitive sports. However, for others, it is a core value that permeates every aspect of their lives. My guest on this episode, Jenna Bradshaw, is a two-time cancer survivor, former college track and field athlete, and performance coach working with young athletes. Jenna's personal experiences and family background underpin her passion for health and wellness. In episode 28, Jenna talks about how her competitiveness extended to the halls of Memorial Sloan Kettering Hospital, how her growth mindset led her to develop into a college javelin thrower, and how she applies her experiences to help young athletes be their best. I'm excited for this conversation. Let's build your foundation with Jenna Bradshaw. Hey, Jenna, how are you? Thanks for coming on.
1: Hello, how are you?
0: Good. For everybody who's listening, uh, could you just give, uh, maybe tell us a little bit about your background?
1: Sure. Uh, So currently I am the head coach and director of marketing for our family fitness business, Bradshaw Personal Fitness. I work with also high school boys track and field. Um, I do primarily work with the throws and jumps. So I helped build up that um, that, uh, events and those events and uh currently um actually you had Erica Suter on i think last week right so her mm-hmm. and i are kind of going through a new like project adventure and we actually started our own podcast it's called girls to queens podcast and it's really for young girls um who are athletes and non-athletes going through some challenging times and we kind of talk about and discuss some um topics in terms of you know health fitness wellness business and some things that they maybe don't learn you know in school and on a daily basis and maybe they they aren't learning that in the environment that they're growing up in so
0: yeah that's great i mean as i told erica when we spoke i have a young daughter who's going to be 11 and so yeah. to have yeah to have those kinds of resources and she's a soccer player so to have those okay. kinds of resources available and know there are Role model, models out there like you and Erica is really encouraging for a father of a, a young woman. <laughs> I love so. to hear
1: that because this was, you know, something that we had been working on for some time now and just been thinking about it and, you know, for it to come to fruition and getting really positive feedback from parents is so cool and just um, really inspiring, really.
0: It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. So why, why don't you take us back? So tell us about your background as an athlete.
1: Sure. Okay, so I guess we'll start, I have to go all the way back because this kind of plays into like how I ended up in the health and fitness industry. So my parents have had their business, Bracho Personal Fitness, for over 35 years. They started out in New York City and then eventually they had me. I'm the oldest of five. And funny enough, all of us are collegiate or were collegiate athletes. Um, the youngest of the bunch is actually playing football currently right now in college. Um, So when I was three and a half, I was diagnosed with leukemia. And, you know, that was a long, tough battle for a couple of years. And, you know, fast forward, my parents grew up very healthy, played sports, um, holistic lifestyle. And my mom grew up in an Italian household um, where they grew up in the restaurant business. So no canned foods, no sodas, um, farm to table kind of foods. So that's how we grew up. And honestly, it really helped develop how myself and my siblings are today. So then we go into, you know, I played a bunch of sports. My we played every sport. Actually, we were just playing and you know, there wasn't any pressure on us to be like, okay, you need to pick this sport. You're going to play this sport only we played anything we wanted. Um, fast forward to high school where I went to an all girls Catholic high school for the first two years of my life. I hated it. <laughs> so I did end up playing um, or being a part of tra- the track and field team. And my mom ended up coaching. So she had been at this school for over 10 years. She coached there, developed the entire program. So that is where I learned how to throw the javelin, which as a A young female, I was kind of like, um, I don't really know. Like, this is a little weird. But, you know, I played softball, so I had a great coach. And um, this was prior to my mom coming on board. And he taught me how to throw the javelin. So I go on to another Catholic high school. And I played a pretty big role in terms of um, their throwing and, and field events. So honestly, it was just kind of like a cool... Niche that I had, and you know, I I sprinted as well. And then when I got to college, um, I competed at Ithaca College, a part of the women's track and field team, and I specialized in short sprints and javelin. And that, and I also majored in exercise science. So the combination of the two kind of just played a huge role into like where I'm at today with my career. And I can't say I knew exactly where I wanted to go where, when I was in college, but you know, it, it was cool to kind of develop and over time, learn all these new skill sets and and business models. And I worked in a corporate environment for about five years post-college, and I learned a lot, was able to apply to our business today. And, you know, it kind of like brought me to where I'm at. And track and field is, you know, just, just like Erica, soccer is her thing. Track and field's My thing, and my mom and I actually just share that passion because she was also a track and field athlete. So it's really cool to be able to, you know, coach together. She's the head coach. Me and my dad help. We're the assistant coaches, and it's just like a fun environment that we have going on. And we've seen the kids progress and really just make strides and leaps. And especially this past year with everything going on, we were able to compete and just help the kids and, you know, bring them to the next level if they did want to compete in college and get recruited. So.
0: That's great. I mean, there's so much there that I could kind of I follow, <laughs> follow <laughs> up so with. You just, yeah, no, it's so. I mean, obviously, <clears throat> the most, you know, kind of serious thing in that is that you were, you're a leukemia survivor. Yeah. Right. So, can you just talk about how that affected your journey as an athlete?
1: For sure. I, I guess my mindset in general, and maybe the way that I grew up, you know, I can't say when I was young, I knew. I can't say that I remember exactly at that age what was going on um, or what happened. I do remember some of the positive things when I was, (laughs) this is funny. So when I was in the hospital, I would have races with some of the kids on our IV poles and we would like, (laughs) so I started young, like I was competitive young. So, you know, I think that developed that, you know, obviously my family was a huge role in that, but um down the, down the line. And actually in college, I was also diagnosed with thyroid cancer. So my junior year in college, I, um, you know, I was kind of ending, I was ending my season. I was, you know, going on to state championship meet finals. And, um, I went to the the health center, um, for a migraine and she started feeling my thyroid and she was like, I don't really like what's going on here. And honestly, like as an exercise science major, Personally, I feel like they don't teach you those things um, when you're going through that curriculum. So I had no idea what any of that meant. And she was like, you need to get a biopsy immediately. And I was like, "Okay, I got states like I, I need to finish up school like I can't be doing this right now. So my mindset personally, I just kind of pushed through it and was like, all right, this can be on the back burner. Yes, my health was absolutely important and I took care of myself, but, you know, it was either a point of like, stop school, stop competing, go get a surgery and kind of see what happens. And I was like, I want to finish school and go, go to States and see what I can do. So I waited and I came home in the summertime, got, um, the surgery, which by the way, I did not know that it was thyroid cancer at the time. They told me after the fact, I went to Memorial Sloan Kettering, which they were amazing and um down, you know, I, I didn't have to go through any radioactive iodine, no chemo. I I'm not on any medications. I have half of my thyroid and fun fact, you can survive with and function with one third of your thyroid. So, you know, I that's where, you know, health really was so important to me. I'm like, okay, I'm not my goal is not to be on any medications. Like, I gotta do what I have to do to keep my Mental tough and my physically, my body strong, so that I can work, I can do what I want to do and live my life as a young adult female. And, you know, it also brought me to um, a lot of fundraising. So I was recently nominated for Woman of the Year through Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, which was such an honor, and just helping and giving back. And it really just gives a connection to what I do and how I can like help other young adults, like get through some tough times like that. You know, you gotta be mentally tough and that's exactly what you kind of discuss on your podcast. And I, you know, I'm grateful to be here and, you know, talk about it.
0: Thank, well, thank you for coming on. And thank you for to sharing that because obviously there are things that are bigger than athletics, but clearly like at that point in your life, like competing was important And I think the other thing that comes through there is that, and I think this is a really important message for any athlete who's listening, is like taking care of your body and nutrition is such a big part of being able to compete at the highest level. And it's not just the competition, but it's just your long-term, you know, it's your longevity as a human being. You've got to take care of yourself. And I think sometimes, particularly young people take it for granted because, you know, they're afraid of nothing. It's (laughs) invincibility, right? Yeah, Exactly. exactly. Yeah, so when when you're learning, I'm also curious about this, when you're learning about the javelin, right? You're learning how to throw the javelin. Can you talk about like what that progression was like from the time you picked it up to the point where you felt like, okay, maybe I'm getting good at this?
1: Yeah. Okay. So I had like an awesome coach. His name was Ed Kilkelly. He's alive to this day. Amazing. Amazing man. I threw softball growing up and, you know, my dad always just had us like outside throwing, um, you know, throwing the football around and I just walked onto the track and field team and, you know, they do testing. So obviously they want to see if you could jump, throw sprint, what kind of your event you'll be in. And he had me, he saw me throw and he was like, you're going to throw the javelin. I'm like, what even is that? And it's a really long spear it's i mean taller taller than i am and it's it's ounces like very light and he started he was just like throw it just throw this you he he didn't make it complex cuz again we're in high school and this is where you know also the job as a high school coach and just dealing with youth athletes you can't overcomplicate it because then they're going to be deterred and they're going to be like i don't want to do this so he made it super easy for me to just pick it up throw it and then do my thing. And I did my own research. He actually would send me all these, you know, different, um, all these, all these educational tools on how to learn the javelin, you know, read more about it, kind of watch videos on it, video analysis. And I really started to like, enjoy it. I'm like, this is so cool. And I didn't realize my potential until my parents were like, you can like throw this in college. You're pretty good. I'm like, I guess, okay, so you know, and that also played a part into why I transferred out of the the um all girls school was because there was no um progression for me really, um you know, if I did want to compete onto college, so that kind of was another reason why I transferred, and then I played a big role um on the the uh, St Anthony's High School um team in general on their field events and also had a great I think just having great coaches throughout my life male and female played a huge role in being a, a female athlete and not being deterred you know to get on the runway and just like chuck a spear so <laughs> it was <laughs> it was like a really like empowering thing I could say mm-hmm. for for as yeah. a young woman
0: and it, so- it sounds like your parents were super supportive as well, based upon the little bit that you've said. Can you talk about their role in your progression as an athlete?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, growing up in our household, it was you either play or were a part of activity or played another sport. Like there were no if ands, or buts. <laughs> so, you know, it was like pick something and you're going to stick with it and you're not going to quit. So I think that um, parents need to play like a bigger role when it comes to... And yes, education is a huge part of it, absolutely hands down. But also there is potential for your child to be um, a really phenomenal athlete. Like if you just support them and kind of go to their track and field meets, go to any of their their sporting events and kind of just support them in terms of where they want to go, what their goals are, kind of like ask them, what are you interested in? What do you want to play? Like, do you feel see yourself going on to the next level you know and it doesn't have to be super aggressive it's just kind of getting that mindset and that thought process going and i'm sure you've had this conversation with your daughter like where do you want to go with this you know just or you could just play like pick a sport to just play so i think um you know that's where my parents played a huge role in terms of making sure that we i guess you could say not not quitters I guess you could say um just sticking to it not not being deterred or giving up or you know if you have let's say if you didn't perform well you like give up I don't want to play this sport anymore I'm done you know they were kind of like no like you got to put in the time and effort and you'll be good and you know you have the potential to move on to the next level and they weren't super aggressive with it either it was just a matter of like Hey, this is what you're doing. You have a choice, but you know you're not going to stop playing just because you know I do nothing. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah. Well, I was listen. That's the way I you know was raised. That's the way I I raise my children to a certain extent. I think as they get older, I am more willing to give them say so in what they choose to do. But once they commit to something, particularly in a season, there's no there's no turning back, right? right? Like you've committed to this. And if you want to do something different afterwards, that's a different story. But then there's also the element of asking those questions to get them to take ownership and think about what their future could look like versus telling them, hey you know, you need to do this. Right. So it's a very, for me, it's a very fine line. Right. And it sounds like you were given the freedom to say, Hey, where can I go with this? But also like when you're in it, like, Hey, you need to give your, give a hundred percent and put everything into it that you could.
1: Right. Absolutely. And then when it came to moving on to the next level in terms of like the high school to college, you know, the recruitment process, they did help me, but also, They put like that was up to me. Like, if I wanted to compete, like I needed to learn how to communicate with other coaches and, you know, go visit schools and be able to, um, like present myself and, you know, leadership qualities and just take ownership of like, Hey, like, I really want to do this. Like, what will be entailed and finding out those details so that you can make that decision at the end of the day and just having the support from your family and, you know, your parents, your friends. (laughs) even some girls now growing up, some of their friends may not be into sports and that's okay, but that shouldn't deter you from playing something that you want to be a part of. So that's, that's what I like to kind of communicate with my high school female athletes and just my, my youth athletes like, Hey, like it's okay if your friends don't play, but like, if you want to play, then go ahead and do it.
0: Yeah. And and I, I mean, I think that's a great message and it's also a hard one, I think, for young people to sometimes to to grasp, you know, latch onto because they're they're so social and they want to do what their friends are doing and they don't want to like go a different path. And so, you know, to have the confidence in yourself to say like, this is really important to me and I don't care what other people think. Like, I think that's one of the biggest challenges that parents have is to let their children kind of make those choices for themselves, but also feel like it's okay to be different.
1: Right. And it's just
0: a challenge when you're a teenager or you're a tween, like
1: it, you know, is, it is life. What it is.
0: That's right. You learn, you learn from, from life. And so when you were choosing, when you were going through the process of being recruited and thinking about like college, like what were some of the factors that were important to you when you, you know, when you were choosing a college at that point?
1: I wanted a sense of community because I did come from like a great team in general, um, from high school that, you know, we were like a close, um, knit community, but also like it was very important for me that I had like great, a great coach because, you know, I've, I've spoken to athletes that we've trained from high school into college. And it's unfortunate the things that you hear, When they move from having like a really great coach in high school to a subpar coach in college, and I hate to say it, but, you know, I feel like, in general, we need to create like a higher standard for coaches and trainers, just in general, Um, because you are dealing with youth and you are dealing, you could literally make or break someone. So um, that was important for me. And I think also because my parents were in the health and fitness industry and they were coaches and they were some for some sports, they were our coaches, you know, soccer, flag football, T-ball. So these things where, you know, I I learned and had I did have great coaches growing up. And I think just being in that type of environment, I wanted that within my collegiate Experience and dealing with coaches. I had a phenomenal coach at Ithaca College. She, uh, Jen Potter. She ran a great team and still does to this day. Um, and you know, someone who has like leadership qualities. They're very open and communicative. You know, dealing with with girls and and young adult females is challenging. So mm-hmm. to have those skill sets and to teach and and you know, it's not just coaching them in the sport, it's also, you got to teach them. So you can, they can be good people at the end of the day. And in life, you know, you're teaching them skill sets for life at the end of the day. And, um, I know that's, that's how I I like to view coaching as myself. And like, you know, I have to step back and say, okay, am I doing right by this athlete or this individual? So that's kind of how I viewed it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I mean, I, I coach on various levels. And for me, it's all about showing the athlete, especially the young ones, that you care about them. Right. Because if they f- sense that you care about them, then they're much more likely to be open to your advice and listen to what you have to say. And, you know, it's not just the, it's not the technical aspects of it. and It's not just the X's and O's or strategy. It's the whole person. And I think that's where a lot of coaches fall down is that they don't necessarily have those interpersonal skills. They might know a game, right? You might have a a mom or a dad or a coach who's really good on the technical side. They were a really good player. But if they don't know how to communicate and and get that information across, I don't care how good you were as an athlete. If you don't have that skill of being able to teach, it's going to be really hard to be a good coach. And understanding a coach's ability comes through you know, asking questions and communicating both both ways, right? From the athlete to the coach and coach to the athlete.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, um, if it's unfortunate that the the amount of saturation that's in, you know, our field in general, I mean, you know, I'm sure you, you see it coaching uh, in general youth athletes and it's, it's, it it can be frustrating, but also just knowing like your place and knowing like, okay, like picking and choosing your battles, being able to really, you just have to say, okay, like is this going to be beneficial for the athlete at the end of the day? And if not, then I'm just going to step back. And just let it rock out. And then we'll figure it out from there.
0: Exactly. (laughs) So, so, I mean, coming from Long Island, coming from a big family, obviously Ithaca is not that far away.
1: Right. But
0: like, what was it like leaving home for the first time?
1: Oh, I was so upset. (laughs) I was so nervous. I was so upset. Um, you know, my parents dropped me off and I was like, you guys are leaving. (laughs) Um, you know, also being the oldest, like I'm the first to, to leave the nest. And, um, but it was like such an amazing experience. Like I knew that I wanted to go away to college and my parents pushed me for that. They were like, go away to school, like go get your experience. Cause and also, fun fact, my dad also did go to Ithaca. He was on the, um, the football team there. So, you know, and, you know, he didn't force that on me. I saw the school and I was like, I want to go here. So uh, that was cool. But also, I think the thing with um, college sports and recruiting and, you know, parents maybe not knowing the field that much is y- you hear some of these kids and the amount of like stress level and anxiety, like, I only applied to six schools. That was it. I knew where I wanted to, you know, what I wanted to do. And that's okay if you don't know what you want to major in, but I think it's a little ridiculous when they're applying to 20 to 30 schools. That's way too overwhelming. I think it's too much for athletes and in general, kids overall. I think it's too much mental stress because when you have too many options, and it's like, I have no idea what I want to pick, I have no idea. So I think like also um, on the parents' end, doing the research and being like, okay, like knowing my child's personality, knowing my child's skill set and their level and somewhat what they want to do, helping them kind of discover and figure out like, okay, like we don't need to choose this many schools. Like if you want to pick three schools, that's cool. You know, we could talk to the coach. We'll go together. We'll figure out what helps you and kind of take it from there. But I, I just have seen so much anxiety and stress with some of these kids especially you know where we coach they're applying to 20 or 30 schools and they're like coach I don't know what to do I I don't know where to go you know what do I say to the coach what do I do and it it, it's a little bit I guess frustrating in our end because you know obviously we're not parenting the child but you you kind of just want to talk to the parents and be like listen like they're a little stressed out again, knowing your place as a coach, you know, you don't want to overstep any boundaries. You know, if you have that, um, relationship with the parents, you know, that's cool too. But, you know, kind of like talking to the athlete and letting them know, Hey, like you don't actually need to apply to this many schools. It's okay.
0: Is that pretty common? Do you see that pretty commonly in working with the high school athletes at your school?
1: Yeah. And I think now just because everything's, uh, I see like sports special, sports specialization is so common now. Um, You know, you see these kids starting at three years old and you're seeing these injuries happen at 12. And I completely understand where parents are saying, you know, full full ride, scholarships, understandable because college is expensive. However, you need to also look at you know, what's good for the athlete and what's good for your child. And is it going to cross that barrier of like mental sanity? Like, is it going to cause them, um, you know, mental discomfort and just not knowing where to go and and who to rely on and who to talk to? Is there too many like pieces to the puzzle? I, I, I personally, like our motto is keep it simple, stupid. That's, that's it. You know, so that's kind of like where we're at. There's definitely a lot of that going on, I think. And, yeah. and you know, in the times we're in. So
0: I see that too with the athletes I work with when they start to talk about college and where they want to go. I think there's just a lack of understanding about what's important. And when I you try to explain to them is it's about what you want, like what's a fit for you, right? Where do you want to be? What do you want the school to be like? Is there a major that you want to have, right? Like, what are the attributes that you want? Because I don't think a lot of kids think about it strategically. I think this is a theme that comes up all the time is that social media and kind of the pressure, peer pressure about where am i going to go picking the biggest name or i want to go d1 that the families and the athletes are not really thinking about what's best for us long term what's best for the athlete long term in terms of hey i'm going to go to work probably in 4 years and get a job like where do i want to be like all those things i have to live in this place that i'm going to go to and i think people just don't think about it they say i want to go here well why do you want to go there and they go i don't know because right? it's and so d1. having yeah. And have it and simplifying. I mean, I'm a big believer in that across the board, right? When right. things get to be too much, make it simpler, pull stuff out of the equation and say, Hey, let's put it to the side because it's too much going on. And I think that that is really good advice as a coach because it applies to performance on the field too. Sometimes we get so into our heads and so mechanical, which I'm sure comes up in track and field when you're coaching throws about technique and all these things. And rather than just going and doing it, you're internalizing the mechanics or the technique and that can be, you know, that can have a negative effect as opposed to a positive one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, to your point on, you know, these athletes saying, ah, well, I want to go D1. Why not D2? Why not D3? You could be a star athlete on either one of those teams and get a scholarship, you know, and, you know, be in a community where you, you gain all these close relationships and you have a great coach, why not go D2 or D3? I mean, Ithaca College is D3 and I had an amazing experience there. I had a great coach. So these things that, I mean, for me personally, realistically, D1, especially in track and field, like wasn't a realistic goal for me. So I was like, okay, let's scale it back. Let's look at moderate to smaller size schools um, let's see where I stand in the rankings. And, you know, I obviously progressed and I hit a personal record while I was there. But these things that, like you said, aren't discussed earlier on, because then sometimes, and we've seen it plenty of times, these kids go to school and let's say they do go D1 and they're on the bench and they're not playing at all the whole four years. And they're like, I should have listened to you. And or they, they end up transferring maybe two years, three years down the road. And it's just like a, it can turn into a catastrophe, really. So um, I think if you're dealing with youth athletes, these are the conversations that you kind of need to have um, with those kids.
0: Absolutely. So uh, about your time in college, I mean, what else? Were there any other challenges that you faced as a student athlete in college that you can like kind of pinpoint and say like, this is really hard for me.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. When I started school, I ended up doing 18 credits. I was taking anatomy and physiology and honestly, my grades suffered. You know, I had to definitely work hard in school. I wasn't, I was an average student, but I worked hard. You know, I was in, I'm, I'm the student that's like, wait, I have a question. And then I spit out like three different questions. Um, You know, I would I would go to my professors after class and I would ask them like, hey, I really just like don't understand this. Um, So, yeah. And then I think just like learning my boundaries in general and not like overdoing it, because I would get to a point of just like really overwhelming myself and mental stress where i'm like what am i even doing i don't you know and then you have like mental breakdowns which you see a lot in college like it's almost normalized which i i i don't know i don't think it should be but it is what it is at this point so i i you know that's why it's important like for someone like you who's talking about mindset and development i think it's super important that these kids learn at a young age how to deal with like mental stress and stress management in general. And yeah, the, you know, obviously going through something super, like adversity in in terms of dealing with my um, my thyroid and having to go through surgery, I kind of I kind of like blocked it out. I that was like my coping me- mechanism. I kind of was like, this isn't happening. I'm not doing this right now. And I think it worked at the time, and also I think being young and invincible, and you know, saying I feel good, I don't understand what's happening. Um, I think now, looking back, that worked for me then, but currently I wouldn't suggest that for myself now. So I think just learning and developing those boundaries over time—you know—it takes time. It's like a trial and error. You figure out what works for you, what, what doesn't work for you, and. You know, you don't want to get to the point of so overwhelmed that you're just having mental breakdowns all the time and anxiety attacks and being depressed. Yeah. That's no way to live a life.
0: It's not. And and that's exactly like why I do what I do, which is to say, like when I went to college, like I didn't have, and I wasn't even an athlete, but I, yeah. I in college, I mean, it was only through high school and I didn't have parents who went to college. So they didn't understand what it was like to go to college and you cope and you figure out a way to do it, right? But what I do, what I try to do is to give the athletes that I work with strategies, right? These mental strategies, emotional strategies to say, hey, you're prepared to go on to this next level to to operate on your own in a more efficient way, in a more effective way, as opposed to just trying to figure it out on your own. And then 10, 15, 20 years later go, oh, I wish I would have known that. Well, if we know it now, why shouldn't we pass it on to them before they get to college? Right. Absolutely. I think that that's, I think that that's the point. Right. And so, yeah, we learn from our mistakes and we try to pass those messages on to the the people that we work with and we coach. So after college, did you always know that you wanted to be a coach given your family background?
1: I did. I okay. just didn't know where I kind of wanted it to go in general. Um, after college, like literally right after, I um I got a job and I actually grand opened one of the lifetime clubs, the lifetime athletic clubs um here on Long Island. Um and it was a great experience. Um I knew that I wanted to um merge and come on to our family um business, but in general, I wanted to specifically learn those managerial and business skills because Being an exercise science major, I did take classes, but they don't teach you business. They don't teach you finances. They don't teach you those things. So it was really important for me. And my parents supported that 100%. They were like, go do it, do your thing. So for me, that was super important. I worked my way up to management and I ran the metabolic department there and I learned a ton. I did graded exercise testing when I was in college and I was able to take that skill set and apply it to where I was in lifetime and, you know, build a department. And literally I had to rebuild the department. And, um, and then eventually I knew that, that I wanted to move on from there and take those managerial skills and the business model and apply it to our business today.
0: So, so tell, tell me about your business today. What does that, what does that look like? I know you have a lot of things that are going on right now.
1: Yeah, we do. And in general, so we deal with a, a few different sectors so we deal with the corporate wellness aspect we deal with sport performance and also just in general adult population in terms of tra- we do training and nutrition coaching for both so we had to develop just with the pandemic we've had to you know reevaluate our business model and we've now developed and have been doing a hybrid model so virtually and in person It just depends on who's comfortable with what. Um, We also have, in terms of like the corporate wellness sector, we have a business to business option where we can give or we develop presentations and seminars for example, sport teams, which we did with the Syosset lacrosse team, the girls team specifically recently, um, you know, Corporate um, headquarters will develop nutrition seminars for them, how to cope with stress, and in general, how to develop and optimize a healthy lifestyle so that they can work and they can, you know, optimize their, their work and career efficiently. And um, th- we deal with like one on one groups, partners. So that's kind of where we're at today. And we, um, we have our own private training studio. So that's like more of our one on one partner training. And then, you know, we do a lot of our group training, obviously outside right now because it's nice out. So why not go to the field and train?
0: <laughs> Great. Yeah. And so and, and, and in the middle of all of that, which sounds like an awful lot, you're also a coach.
1: Yes. Track and field, which is a non-negotiable for me. And it does sound like a lot, but all of these pieces play a role and come together because this is what our careers are. And this is what I love to do. And this is my passion in terms of optimizing people's health, fitness and wellness. And just in general, myself being a two time cancer survivor, if you don't have your health, you don't have anything, you can't work, you can't live your life, you will end up with mental distress. And, you know, long term, what do you want your life to look like, you know, so these are the, the that's the overarching message and how we kind of articulate that to others because it's super important. And you know, we start them from youth and develop them all the way to adult population. So for us, that is just uh you know just something that we love to do. And our slogan is performance, nutrition, excellence. And we stand by that and you gotta walk the walk and talk the talk. So
0: mm-hmm. so so with that in mind, so what are some of the what are some of the biggest challenges you have or see with working with young athletes in terms of getting that mindset across to them?
1: Okay. I would say that one of our biggest challenges, I think, right now is the saturation of our field. And, you know, my grandmother could take a certification online to become a personal trainer. So dealing with other coaches that kind of like, poach other athletes or really just put them at harm. And then honestly, we kind of have to clean up the mess. Then they come to us and they're like, you know, I had my ACL was torn. I have this injury and, you know, they're so young. I don't understand why all these you know injuries are happening at such a young age. Um, And I think that it's just a matter of explaining to them in a very like simple way, like, hey, like, If you want to be able to play this sport down the road and you see yourself playing long term, you have to take care of yourself now. And when we did our uh, nutrition seminar for the girls lacrosse team recently, you know, they were so receptive, like they wanted to learn. And I think actually the problem right now is the messaging right now in terms of social media. There's too much stimulus. There's too much out there for them. It's way too overwhelming. And this is why we're seeing so much anxiety, mental um, mental illness, depression. And honestly, like I'm seeing so many just young people that are, you know, on on medications just too early on in life. And I feel like the simple things of eating well, training your body properly, movement, getting stress management skills, all these simple tools that should be taught at a young age. I feel like There's information out there 100%, like your podcast, what we do in general, what Erica does, but there's just too much stimulus for them. And it's really hard to get them to kind of grasp, I guess you could say, because, you know, you have their parents and you have other coaches in their ear. So, you know, you kind of just have to be, I think, patient with it and really kind of just keep saying the same message over and over again and keep it simple and it will click. It may take some time,
0: but patience, I think, is key. Uh, Yeah, I love that. I I mean, I I try to take the same approach in my coaching is to kind of, you know, use the less is more, you know, because if you give them too much information, it's just overwhelming and then nothing gets retained. And then if you look outside into the outside world, there's so much stuff coming at them. And I mean, listen, there's good information and there's bad information. And then there's just massive amounts of information, good and bad. And so it's just... A lot to understand and a lot to figure out what's 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 right for me and I think that's the value in having a good coach it can't be overstated right if you have somebody who cares about you and has your best interests at heart and they you know they're going to take care of you, then you can rely on what they're telling you, and if they can't help you do something they 're probably going to say i can't help you 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 need to go see somebody else for this particular thing, whatever it is because i can't help you with that, and I think that that's really important, but it's just, there's just a lot. I, I totally agree. Um, so what are some of the strategies you use in working with young people, like in terms of coaching them, you know, whether it's on a technique or whether it's just sort of motivational, like what are some of the things you go to, to make sure that they are in the right place to, to succeed?
1: Right. So recently, I think just, and also just over the years, we've seen a lot of the kids just be so stressed out and so fatigued we have to scale it back. So when yeah, when they're coming to us and they're like coach, I am shot, like I can't even run today. We we've had to have days where we have them everybody sit down. You're going to lay flat on the floor. We're going to do some breathing exercises, shoes off, socks off, and we do mobility exercises breathing techniques, some stress management tools in terms of, you know, maybe for example, listening to some like the Calm app or anything of that nature where take a walk or, you know, keeping their stimulus level down because if their central nervous system is just like on 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 on, you're going to see some some problems down the road and you're going to see problems in their performance, you're going to see Some of these athletes wouldn't be able to peak at the right time. And for us, because track and field is basically like a year-round sport, we have to be very careful to not overstimulate and not overtrain the kids because also they're doing a ton of things outside of where we're at at practice. You know, maybe they're strength training on their own and seeing somebody else. Maybe they're playing another sport, you know, uh, which is common. So I, I think over the years... We've had to adapt to that and kind of where the culture is in sport in general and scale it back a little bit.
0: Yeah. It's a great point. When you were giving, you know, you were explaining that, I, I, it actually sort of jogged my memory because I work with so many kids who really don't, they really struggle to give themselves space to recover. And they'll tell me, like, you know, I've got to do more. I work out two, three, four times a day. Like, or I have an injury in it but I need to play through it and and there's like really no off switch and there's really a lack of understanding about the value of taking a day off or active recovery or doing the mobility work or doing the breathing work and so is that something i mean do you see, i mean as a group do you do you find it hard to get them to kind of turn off right turn off the, the, the shut off the light switch for a bit because they feel like if they don't work harder they're going to get left behind?
1: Yes, especially in the beginning of the season. However, we, have, we always say to them, trust the process. And we've had to rebuild the team that we're at currently for the last seven years. Um, they did not have a great coach prior and in general had a totally different philosophy. And we had to change the environment that they were in and the mindset that they had developed And we get a lot of football players too. We have basketball and football. And football players, it's just like, go, 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 go. Getting screamed at on the field, which it's just part of the sport. That's fine. But, you know, these boys just want to coach. I need to be lifting. I need to be doing this. I need to be doing this. And it's funny because recently we just had one of our athletes compete. He took a week off of just recovery. He hit a personal record. Just from taking a week off and letting his body just recover. And we're like, see, (laughs) you know, you have to, we have a training program set out. However, you know, high school setting, that's not always, it's not going to play out like that. It doesn't work. This isn't college, like where they have to peak at the right time. And, you know, the, the micro cycles and the macro cycles, you know, it doesn't work like that. So we always have to play on our toes as coaches. And it's always like, okay, how do you feel today? How's your energy level? Did you eat? Did you hydrate? Which most of them don't drink water. So that's like a whole nother topic. So um, I think just in general, like asking how they feel and getting that feedback from them is super imperative.
0: Yeah. And helping them build an awareness of listening to their body and what the body's telling them and have it be okay to sort of take that break because what's great about what that, you know, the example you just gave is, all that kids need to see is that, ex- that, that one story of the kid who took a week off and came and PR'd and they're like, oh, maybe I need to do that because now I have the results in front of me to prove it. If there's no evidence, they're just going to keep going and going until they run themselves into the ground. So yeah. at, as we wrap up, if, if you had to give one piece of advice to student athletes listening to the podcast, what would you, what would you say it is?
1: I would say enjoy the time that you have and just enjoy the sport that you're playing. And, you know, don't take it for granted because you only have a select few years to play it. And, you know, when you go on to the next level, it's going to be completely different. So just enjoy the time that you have. Have fun and just live your life. <laughs> that's, really, that's really the most important thing that I could say.
0: I love that. And if you had to give one piece of advice to the parents who are listening, what would you say?
1: Parents support your kids teach them healthy lifestyle le- healthy habits give them tools and set them up for success so that they know where they want to go and what they want to achieve and just support them and you know their their journey and their accomplishments and what they want to do and um, just be there for them and and help them to be a good person at the end of the day
0: that's really really good advice so uh... Let's end on that. Thank you so much, Jenna, for joining me. I really enjoyed our conversation.
1: Thank you so much for having me. And hopefully,
0: my pleasure. And the next time we do it, maybe it'll be uh, me, you, and Erica. We'll do a a roundtable.
1: Oh, we would love that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, best of luck with everything. Thanks again. Thank you. So what is your biggest takeaway from my conversation with Jenna Bradshaw? For me, It is that health and fitness are the foundation for performing at our best in athletics and in our lives in general. Jenna spoke openly about her experiences as a two-time cancer survivor and how that has made her grateful for all of the opportunities in her life. She truly has a growth mindset and seeks to pass that mindset on to the athletes that she coaches. My suggestion to young athletes is to surround yourself with coaches like Jenna, who value the whole person and will challenge you to be your best no matter what the circumstances. I want to thank Jenna for her kind generosity and the wisdom she shared with the Freshman Foundation community. You can follow Jenna on Instagram at Jenna B. Shaw, G-E-N-A-B-S-H-A-W, at BP Fit Coaching, and at Girls to Queens Podcast, which she co-hosts with my guest on episode 16, Erica Suter. You can learn more about the Freshman Foundation on our website at freshmanfoundation.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you back soon for episode 29. Mike Huber is the founder and owner of Follow the Ball Coaching located in Fairhaven, New Jersey. He is a mental performance coach and business advisor dedicated to serving athletes just like you reach their full potential on and off the court. The Freshman Foundation is all about helping you get to the next level for more information follow along on instagram at the freshman foundation please subscribe give us a like on itunes spotify leave a review tell a friend most importantly come back in two weeks ready to get better